so good to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here today. Let me say a big thank you to everyone who's tuned in online. We're glad that you're with us as well. Uh, however you're joining us today, uh, again, it's just so great that you're with us. If you're new right now as a church, we're studying through the gospel of Matthew. And as we've just been studying one little section of Matthew at a time, uh, that's brought us to the particular passage that we're studying today, which is Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 to 39. And in this particular uh, text, God shows us his desire for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go everywhere and to reach everyone. So that's what we're focused in on today. God's desire for the glorious gospel of Christ to go everywhere and to reach everyone. Back in 1948, a man named William Rosenberg started a restaurant that served coffee and donuts that he named Open Kettle, and it was located in Quincy, Massachusetts. But it was kind of a weird name, like Krispy Kreme Donuts. The donuts are neither crispy nor creamy, but anyway, uh, it was a weird name. Open Kettle. And, and the owner felt like that name didn't really communicate to potential customers uh, what their restaurant actually offered. And so he called a, a meeting uh, with his staff, and they had a brainstorming session around the answer to this question. What do you do? with a donut. And some bright person uh, uh, on staff said, well, you pluck a chicken and you dunk a donut. And so open kettle became, can you guess? Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. Now, Rosenberg knew he had a great idea and he envisioned Dunkin' Donuts stores uh, all over the place, knowing that they would be as popular elsewhere as they were in Quincy, Mass. So in 1955, he began franchising these stores, and now you saw signs like this uh, all over the country. Rosenberg saw the potential that Dunkin' Donuts had, so he sent his son Robert to go earn an MBA from Harvard, and when Robert graduated, his dad offered him the CEO position, which he accepted. And now it was his mission to focus on expansion the same way his father had. And, and expand, they did. By the end of the 1960s, there were over 100 locations uh, across various states, but mainly here in the Northeast. And once they had established what's called regional dominance uh, here in the Northeast, they set their sights on national expansion in the 1980s and the 1990s, and they uh, spread out into states uh, in the Mid-Atlantic, in the Southeast, in the Midwest, and the West Coast. But even after all this success, spreading their stores everywhere so that everyone could enjoy their coffee and donuts, they said, we are still not satisfied. And now they went to go, not national, but international. And they just continued to spread and spread and spread until under Robert's leadership, uh, they had over 13,000 stores in over 40 different countries around the world. I read a book on Dunkin' Donuts last year, aptly named Around the Corner to Around the World. And it was aptly named book because that, in a nutshell, is the exact story of Dunkin' Donuts from around the corner in Quincy, Mass., literally to around the world. 
Now, I mention this today because the desire of William Rosenberg to expand his stores is the very same desire that God the Father has to spread the gospel. He wants it to go from around the corner to around the world. He wants it to spread everywhere, and he desires that it would reach everyone. And just as Rosenberg had a passion for the gospel that he passed on to his son, Robert, so God the Father passed on his passion for the expansion of the gospel to his son, Jesus, who is the Christ. And that's what we're going to see in our text today. We're going to see God's desire for the good news of the kingdom to go everywhere and to reach everyone. Let's get into it. The first thing that we see in our text today, we're going to call it the relocation. The relocation. Last week, Jesus was ministering in the Gentile region of Phoenicia, and it was here that he ministered to the Canaanite woman that Jack did such a great job of preaching about last week. Well, after finishing up his ministry in the region of Phoenicia, we read in verse 29, Jesus went on from there. He left Phoenicia, and now he walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And we learn from Mark's gospel that this was the territory east of the Sea of Galilee uh, called the Decapolis, which like Phoenicia uh, was also a Gentile territory. Okay, it was non-Jewish people located outside the nation of Israel. Now, the Decapolis was comprised of 10 different cities, and Jesus wanted to minister to the people who lived in those cities. So when he arrived, he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. The mountain was a suitable location for the masses to be ministered to. And when it says that he sat down, it's a reference to Jesus' intention to teach those who would come to him. And come to him they would. Here's why. There were many people from the Decapolis who heard about Jesus' fame in Israel who left the Decapolis to be ministered to by Jesus, and Jesus healed them. So there were a bunch of people from the Decapolis who came to the nation of Israel and came to Jesus blind, lame, deaf, crippled, or what have you, and who came home completely healed. Now, naturally, when your neighbor came home and, and, you know, now they could see, you would say to your neighbor, how in the world is it that now you can see? And then you who were healed would tell them all about Jesus. And that's what had happened all throughout the Decapolis. So come to Jesus. They did. Jesus knows that huge numbers are coming to him. So he finds a suitable spot. He finds a desolate spot with tons of space and he prepares to teach and to heal. And friends, let me point out to you that he prepares to do that in that order. A lot of people think of Jesus as a traveling itinerant healer. And, and yeah, you could say that that was true, but here's the deal. First and foremost, he was an itinerant preacher. Everywhere he went, he preached the glorious good news of the kingdom of heaven. And then to confirm the truthfulness of what he taught people about the kingdom of heaven... He would heal 
so that they would have a basis on which to believe that the message he shared about heaven was true. So here's Jesus. He's relocated from Phoenicia to the Decapolis. He's gone from one Gentile location to another, and he's gone there on the mountainside to teach the people about the kingdom of heaven. This leads us nicely to the second thing we see in our text, and we'll call this the request. The request. Look with me at verse 30. And great crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at Jesus' feet. So the picture being painted here is that of healthy people, potentially people that Jesus had previously healed back in Israel. So here's healthy people, and they're bringing their loved ones and their friends to Jesus, and they lay them down at his feet, which was an implicit request that Jesus might help them. And Matthew tells us, uh, they brought the lame, those who couldn't walk. They brought the blind, those who couldn't see. They brought uh, the, the, um, the deaf, those who couldn't hear. And get this, he says, they also brought the crippled. And I want to pause right there so that we can understand how Jesus was a healer unlike any of the healers, supposed healers that we hear of today. The crippled refers to those with deformities, those who were born without a leg, those who were born without an arm, those who were born uh, without an ear or an eye or what have you. And the crippled were brought to Jesus and he healed them. So someone shows up with no eye, they leave with an eye. They show up with no ear, they leave with an ear. They show up with no arm. They now have an arm. And friends, this just puts Jesus in a class of healing all by himself. And Matthew says, in addition to all this, they brought many others, which means there was all kind of other ailments that people had. But whatever the need was, Jesus met the need. Now, all these requests for healings were not without effect. And that's why we're going to call the third thing that we see in our text, the reaction. The reaction. Look with me at verse 31. The people, the Gentile people that Jesus was ministering to, they were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And here was their reaction. They praised the God of Israel. Friends, these were not Israelites. These were not Jews. These were Gentiles. These were pagans. They worshiped the false gods of the Greek pantheon, such as, you know, Zeus and, and Hercules and Aphrodite and many others. But their gods had never healed anyone. And so they rightly begin praising, not their God, Matthew says, the God of Israel. And this just reinforces what I told you earlier about Jesus showing up somewhere and primarily teaching them about the kingdom of heaven, primarily telling people how they could be made right with God and spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus had taught them and then Jesus had healed them to confirm the veracity of his message. 
And having heard the good news of the kingdom, having uh, witnessed or experienced personally the miracle power of Jesus, they now rightly conclude that it's the God of Israel who deserves to be worshipped and praised versus their uh, various gods of the Greek pantheon. All right, moving right along. The fourth thing we see in our text, we'll call it the repeat. The repeat. And the repeat is found in verses 32 to 38, where Jesus performs just about the exact same miracle for the Gentiles in the Decapolis as he did for the Jews in Galilee. He does another miraculous feeding. Now, it's the repeat. It's almost verbatim. And I did an entire sermon on this back in chapter 14, only one chapter ago. So we're going to move through this uh, relatively quickly. So here we go. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Another one of the gospel writers lets us know that many of them had traveled a considerable distance to get to Jesus. So Jesus now has the concern about them fainting on the way after being with them for three days and not having food. Verse 33, and the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven with a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Now, yes, there's some minor details between chapter 14 and 15. When Jesus miraculously fed the Jews, uh, there was only five loaves of bread. Uh, now when he miraculously feeds the Gentiles, there's seven loaves. Uh, when he was ministering to the Jews, there was 5,000 men besides the women and children. Now that he's ministering to the Gentiles, there's 4,000 men besides the women and children. Uh, when he ministered to the Jews, there was 12 baskets of leftover food. Uh, here with ministering to the Gentiles, uh, there were only seven baskets of leftovers. But besides minor details like this, it is simply a repeat of the miracle Jesus performed for the Jews back in Galilee. Now that we've seen the repeat, let's note the last thing we see in our text, and we'll call this the return. The return. Take a look with me at verse 39. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat. And it's implied that his disciples are with him. And he went to the region of Magadan. Now, we don't know the exact location of Magadan because it was probably just, uh, you know, kind of like the, uh, the local name for an official town. So I grew up in West Springfield, Massachusetts. But you know what we called it? Westside. Westside. So I think this is like, you know, Magadan, it's Westside. And, you know, we don't know exactly where it is because it's the local language. But we do know two things. One, it's back in the land of Israel. And two, we know it's on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And we know this because of Matthew chapter 16, which we'll get to uh, next week or in a couple weeks. So after ministering in Gentile territory from what some scholars estimate to be uh, a three to six month period, 
Jesus now returns to Galilee. So he's back in the land of Israel. He's back ministering to the Jews. Friends, what I want you to understand now as we reach this point in Matthew's gospel is this. Jesus is now in the last six months of his life. He's brought the gospel to the Gentiles, so he now returns to the nation of Israel. Most of his focus uh, from this point forward is going to be Jesus' instruction to his disciples uh, more than his instruction to the crowds because he knows he's only got six months left, and now he wants to make sure they are prepared to be the leaders over the church that they will need to be once he dies on the cross for the sins of the world. So he relocates back to Israel. So friends, that's the text, and it's pretty straightforward. We saw those five things in our text. So now I want to switch gears, and I want to turn our attention to Matthew's purpose in sharing this miraculous feeding of the Gentiles. When he miraculously fed the Jews in Galilee, he did so for a very specific reason. Matthew included that account in his gospel for a very specific reason. Back in chapter 14, Matthew is arguing this case. He's arguing Jesus is the prophet like Moses that God promised to send in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And look, just as Moses miraculously fed the Israelites in the wilderness region, so did Jesus. He is the prophet like Moses. That was Matthew's purpose for recording the miraculous feeding of the Jews in chapter 14. But friends, we're no longer in chapter 14. Now we're in chapter 15. And Matthew once again records a miraculous feeding of people. And the question begs, was it for the same reason? Is he trying to show these people that Jesus is the prophet like Moses? And the answer is an unequivocal no. He's no longer ministering to the Jews in Israel. He's ministering to Gentiles in the Decapolis. And friends, this changes everything. So Matthew has an entirely new purpose for recording this miraculous feeding among the Gentiles. And, and here it is. Matthew is trying to show us that the gospel of Christ is to go everywhere and is for everyone. He's trying to show us that the gospel needs to go everywhere and it is for everyone. And the rest of my sermon will be me making a case to show you why I've drawn this conclusion. So let's begin with my case for why Matthew's trying to show us the gospel is to go everywhere. Whether we've noticed it or not, throughout his gospel, Matthew has been very careful to note all the different geographic locations, both within the nation of Israel and outside the nation of Israel, that Jesus has brought the good news of the kingdom to. For example, Matthew lets us know that Jesus' ministry began in Judea, the southern portion of the nation of Israel. And Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom and confirmed the truthfulness of his message all throughout Judea. And that was year one of his ministry. After this, we move into year two. And after Jesus ministered in Judea in the south for a year's time, he now moves to Galilee in the north, also ministering in Samaria on the way. 
And Jesus did in Galilee the same thing he did in Judea. He went from synagogue to synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing to confirm the truthfulness of his message. All right, so that was year two of his ministry. Now it's year three. After Jesus finished ministering within the nation of Israel, now he continues heading north, moving outside the nation of Israel into Gentile territory, specifically the region of Phoenicia. As best we can tell, according to Mark chapter 7, verse 31, Jesus started in the southern part of the region, and that's where he seems to have encountered the Canaanite woman that Jack preached on last week. But after ministering to her, he moved north still towards Tyre and Sidon, the two most prominent and influential cities in the whole region of Phoenicia. And it was there that people came to him from all over and he ministered to them. And friends, what we need to understand is that this would have taken time. Just as he had moved south to north throughout the land of Israel, now he's working south to north throughout the Gentile region of Phoenicia. Once he saturates Phoenicia with the gospel as he had saturated Israel with the gospel. Now he moves further east, southeast to another Gentile region, this one known as the Decapolis. Now the Decapolis literally translated means 10 cities. So the Decapolis refers to a region um, uh, in the first century that was comprised of 10 different cities. Now, only months earlier, Jesus had healed a demoniac, a crazy man from the area of the Decapolis. And after Jesus set him free from being possessed by legions of demons, the man said, Jesus, can I come and travel with you? And when we read that, what we all expect Jesus' answer to be is, sure, of course you can. That's kind of what I'm going for here. But Jesus curiously says to the man, no, you can't travel with me. Instead, Jesus tells him this. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And in obedience to Jesus's command, the man went away and began to proclaim where? In the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone who heard the story marveled. So guys, understand, this guy had been a huge nuisance to everyone in the Decapolis. They all had to travel by where this guy lived, which was out in the tombs on the outskirts of the city. And he was violently uh, oppressing all the people. They had tried to uh, bind him in shackles and in chains, but he was so strong that no one uh, could keep him in the shackles. He would cut himself. He would scream both day and night. He walked around naked all the time. So you can wonder why the people said, you got to go live on the outskirts of the city. I mean, this dude was absolutely nuts, but he had an encounter with Jesus. And after his encounter with Jesus, he's not screaming anymore. Now he's in his right mind. He's not living out by the caves anymore. He's fully clothed. And he's going around to the 10 different cities within the Decapolis, telling all the people what this man named Jesus has done for him. And it was a story at which everyone marveled because they could not believe that this was one and the same man. And it was very likely on the tail end of this guy's 10 city ministry tour that Jesus shows up for a 10 city ministry tour of his own. 
And everyone was so happy to have Jesus in town because they all hoped that Jesus would do for them exactly what he had done for the demoniac. And so they came to Jesus. Friends, all this to say, after spending uh, two years bringing the gospel from village to village and town to town and from city to city within the nation of Israel, now Jesus spends anywhere from three to six months doing the same in Gentile territory. So do you see it? Matthew is trying to show us where the gospel needs to go. And he's making the argument, it needs to go everywhere. What you need to understand is that the biblical writers often don't explicitly state their message. It is often implicit in the narrative. But if you've been paying attention, you've seen how careful he is to show how the gospel spread throughout Judea and then how the gospel spread throughout Samaria and then how the gospel spread throughout Galilee and then how once it had saturated the nation of Israel, it continued north into the Gentile region of Phoenicia and then how Jesus made his way southeast to continue spreading the gospel in the Decapolis. And if Jesus wasn't six months away from dying and didn't have as much training to do with his disciples, I have no doubt in my mind, he would have continued traveling throughout the Gentile regions to bring them the gospel too, because as Matthew is trying to let us know, the gospel needs to go everywhere. It's only going to be a few chapters after chapter 15, when we get to the end of the gospel, chapter 28, that Jesus tells his followers, now look, just as I've done, I want you to make disciples of all nations. The gospel needs to go everywhere. Okay. I've now made my case that the gospel needs to go everywhere and that that is the point that Matthew is trying to make. Now I want to make my case for why I believe Matthew is additionally trying to tell us that not only does the gospel need to go everywhere, additionally, Matthew's arguing this case, the gospel is for everyone. It's not just for the Jews, it's for everyone. Just as Matthew's been very careful to show us uh, that the gospel was not limited to one particular region, so he's been equally careful to show us that the gospel was not to be limited to one particular people group. As we've already covered the gospel, yes, it needed to go to the Jews first because that was God's plan. But just because it was to go to the Jews first didn't mean that it would never go to anyone else. It went to the Jews first so that they could be God's light to the rest of the world. But God always intended the gospel to go outside the nation of Israel to other people groups. And that's why Jesus ministered to so many different people groups besides the Jews when he was in Gentile territory. When Jesus was ministering in Phoenicia and when Jesus was ministering in the Decapolis, he ministered uh, to the Greeks, to the Romans, to the Arameans, to the Syrians, to the Nabataeans, to the Arabs, so on and so forth. Many different people groups. And that's why when we read the book of Revelation and we read uh, the Apostle John's vision of heaven, he says that people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue are there praising the Lamb of God. Because God's plan from all along the way has been not just for the gospel to go everywhere, but for it to reach everyone, meaning every different people group.
As the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of a few select people who happen to be a certain national you know, ethnicity. What does it say, church? Say it out loud. Everyone. It's for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. God's plan has always been to reach everyone. So once again, I say this, it's coming on the screen. Matthew is trying to show us that the gospel of Christ is to go everywhere and it's for everyone. And now that we understand what Matthew is trying to argue through what he wrote, now we can begin focusing on what in the world this passage has to do with our lives today. And friends, it couldn't be more simple. We've seen in our passage that God desires the gospel to go everywhere and God desires that the gospel would reach everyone. So for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, for those of us who are little Christs, we ought to begin doing, if we're not already, the very things that Jesus did. And today, I'm going to show you exactly how you can do that. If you're taking notes, here's your next fill in the blank. And even if you're not taking notes, make a mental note of this. Here's the application of the sermon today. He, God, wants us to do our part to help his dream of the gospel going everywhere and the gospel reaching everyone become a reality. Church, he wants us to do our part. He desires that the gospel would go everywhere. He desires that the gospel would reach everyone. And guess what? Remember back to Matthew chapter five, I want to say off the top of my head, forgive me if I'm wrong. He said, you are the light of the world. Just as the Jewish people were to be the light to the rest of the world, that is God's purpose for us here on the earth. So God wants us to join in with what he's trying to accomplish here on the earth. And I'm going to give you a couple different ways that you can do this today. As you know, this fall, fingers crossed, we will launch a second New Day Church location in Agawam, Massachusetts. We're days away from signing the lease. And the second we sign the lease, construction will begin immediately so that we can hit our fall target launch date. Well, back in April, you may recall that Peter Axman, our campus pastor, invited anyone who was interested uh, in doing so to become what we're calling an adventurer, someone who's going to join him in helping to launch the Agawam location. And we had an amazing response. Over 150 people we have confirmed as adventurers, which is really exciting because the general rule of thumb is whatever you have on your launch team, you can expect roughly double that at opening day. And so we're looking to have like 300 people uh, thereabouts at our opening service. And that's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you're new, we started this church with eight people. Now we're going to start a second location, very likely with around 300. But here's where a great opportunity has been created. Of the 150 adventurers who are leaving here in Enfield, 90 of them currently have a serving role here in Enfield. And this is awesome to me. Because so many people have been coming, sitting on the sidelines, they're looking around, they go, look at all these dream teamers, look at all these people, you know, it takes uh, teamwork to make the dream work, look at all the team members. I heard at the last volunteer appreciation dinner that like 382 volunteers, you know, make New Day happen and all this, and so they're good. Friends, that excuse is going out the window. 
90 of the people who serve here in Enfield are now going to Agawam. I don't view this as a problem. I view it as an opportunity. I'm so excited because now more people get to get in on what God's trying to do on the earth, which is bring the gospel everywhere so that everyone can get right with God and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. So what I'm saying is this, even if you are not signed up to be an adventurer to help start the new location in Agawam, don't think that that means that you are not needed to help bring the gospel everywhere and to help reach everyone with the gospel of Christ. You are needed. You're just going to play a different role. And the role I need you to play, if you're not going to Agawam, and if you're not currently serving here in Enfield, I need you to step up. Now, don't think I'm looking at you. You're all dark shadows right now, okay? <laughs> I don't even know who I'm looking at, all right? So I'm not looking at you, but I am speaking to you. And I want to invite you to get in on what God's doing here on the earth. So that's one practical way that you can get involved. Begin serving. You say, how am I going to know where uh, I'm needed? Well, here's the deal. Beginning very shortly, everyone who is leaving New Day Enfield is going to begin this uh, can't miss color t-shirt uh, that says, I am an adventurer, Agawam, Massachusetts. The, the town colors are, are orange and brown, and uh, we thought we'd do something for Agawam and do it in the color that you just can't miss, okay? And so everyone who serves here in Enfield, they're going to begin wearing these t-shirts every Sunday. And they're going to wear them, I believe, until uh, someone comes and replaces their position. And then they get to take it off. But that's going to be a visual to our church of where specifically we need people to step up and begin serving. Now, if you're ready to step up, for those of you who attend here in Enfield, you know, I want to step up. I want to help. Let me tell you how you can do that. Simply open up the Church Center app on your smartphone, and right there on the homepage, scroll down to the Join Our Dream Team banner and just click on it. And when you do this, you'll be able to share who you are as well as what department you're interested in serving in, and then we'll reach out by email to schedule a time for you to meet with one of our Connect Team members. So that's just one way you can get involved. Step up and serve here in Enfield. Let me share another way that you, practically speaking, that you can help the gospel go everywhere and help the gospel reach everyone. Some of you say, Mike, I'm so happy that you're inviting people to serve here in Enfield, but I actually have been planning all along to join the team of adventurers. Hey, that's awesome. That's another great way that you can do it. I would say this, go ahead and join soon because we're capping it off at 200. Uh, we need to launch in a way where they have critical mass in Agawam, but not launch in a way where so many people leave that the original location here in Enfield is hurt. So we're capping it off at 200. There's less than 50 spots left. So if you want to help uh, bring the gospel everywhere and help the gospel reach everyone, then you can secondly uh, join the team of adventurers. And if you'd like to do that, again, just open up the church center app. And right there on the homepage, click the adventurer's banner. And when you do this, we'll just collect a little bit of info from you. And then our campus pastor, Peter Axman, will be in touch. All right, one more practical way that you can be a part of helping bring the gospel everywhere and helping the gospel reach everyone. And I want to talk specifically to those of you who attend online. There's six to seven hundred of you 
that attend online every single week, and we think that's awesome. We know that some people uh, work every Sunday and, you know, uh, you know, just couldn't have time to come out, but you're able to join online and all these different things. Maybe you don't live super close to where we're at, but I also know that many of you uh, do it simply for convenience. And, and I'm not saying that that's bad, but what I am saying is this. Here's how you can help. You can begin attending in person, either in Enfield or in Agawam, one to two times a month. And that way you can still enjoy what we offer online, but you can be a part of the army of people we need in order to go ahead and have everything we need going at both locations. I know some of you thought I'm attending online so that I can escape stuff like this. Hey, that's a bad reason to attend online if that's you. <laughs> So I'm inviting you to come be a part as well. We view you as every bit a part of our church as everyone who attends here in person. But part of that, being a part of our church, means stepping up to serve when and where needed. And I'm calling on you. Church, whatever you do is fine. You can help launch the Agawam location. You can help backfill positions here in Enfield. For those of you online, you can begin attending in person uh, one or, or two times a month if you're able. You can begin inviting people to the new location. Uh, you can support what we're doing through your tithes and offerings. If God's blessed you with the gift of giving, you can help the new location uh, be a success by helping to fund it. There's so many different options for what you can do. I think it's fine. However God leads... I think the only way you can go wrong is by doing nothing at all. God wants the gospel to go where, church? Go everywhere. And God wants the gospel to reach who? Everyone. And today, I'm calling on New Day Church to step up and become a part of what God's doing. And I'm making that call because I believe that that is what God himself is calling us to do. Become a part of what he's doing on the earth. Surely there are other ways than the ways that I've mentioned today to help the gospel go everywhere and reach everyone. But church, I'm just sharing some ways that are very timely in light of where we're at in the life of our church. And I want you to come be a part. Come be a part. So church, what's God speaking to you today? How is the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart? And will you respond? Back to Dunkin' Donuts right before we close in prayer. Businesses like Dunkin' Donuts and many others, they work so hard. They give so much. They'll sacrifice marriage, relationship with their kids. They sell their soul on the altar of commercial, you know, whatever. All for what? They do it all for dollars. Working so hard for dollars. Church, we're not in it for dollars. We're in it for destinies. So how much more so should we come together and work together to see God's purposes on this earth become a reality? Come be a part. Come be a part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Uh, it's been very clear, and we're so thankful for that. God, some passages were like, I'm not quite sure what to do with this one, but uh, this one that we've covered today, that's not the case. 
Matthew wrote to show us the gospel needs to go everywhere. The gospel needs to reach everyone. And God, we know that it was your very own Holy Spirit who inspired Matthew to write. So, so ultimately, who wants that for the gospel? God, we recognize it as you. God, we are disciples of Jesus. And disciples of Jesus do what Jesus did. So God, our desire is to be a part of what you're doing on this earth. So God, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 that uh, he's offering his body as a living sacrifice. Uh, God, today, I do the same. God, I, I lift up my hands right now, offering myself to you. God, use me. God, you want me to be a part? My answer is yes. God, I'm not going to pray, do you want me to be a part? But I am going to pray, would you guide me and direct me and lead me clearly by your Holy Spirit so I'll be a part in the right way, whether through giving or serving or coming in person one to two times a month or invite a friend or what have you. God, just direct me by your Holy Spirit. And I want you to know this, before you even tell me what to do, my answer is yes. God, thanks for hearing my prayer. Thanks for the great privilege of getting to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mike just shared how God wants the gospel to be shared everywhere and with everyone. And there are some people here who it might be your first time at New Day. It might be your first time tuning in online. Maybe this is your first time ever setting foot into a church. So what better place to start sharing the gospel than right here? So before we go today, just allow me one minute to share with you what that word gospel means. See, the word gospel means good news. And in order to understand the good news, we first have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we're all guilty of what's called sin. Sin is rebellion against God. And the Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. It's an eternal death, a spiritual death, eternity separated from God. But the gospel, the good news, is that God doesn't want that for us. God doesn't want us to have eternal separation from him. God created us to have eternal life with him because he loves us. So the good news is that in God's love for us, he sent us a savior, his son, Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life on the earth. He didn't sin once, so he didn't have any sin to pay for, but he died. He died to pay not for his sin because he didn't have any, but he died to pay for my sin and he died to pay for your sin as well. So when we ask Jesus, when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, make me new, help me to follow you with my life, he'll forgive you and you become saved. You don't have to worry about the penalty of sin anymore. Instead, you get rewarded with eternal life in heaven with God. And that is the good news of the gospel that God is calling us to share with everyone, everywhere. So if you wanna make that decision today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want you to take out your welcome card and check off the box that says today, I have decided to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you take that to guest services out in the foyer, we're gonna pray with you, we'll congratulate you, and we have a Bible that we wanna give you as well to help you start on that new relationship with Jesus. If you're online, we're gonna mail you that Bible when you either use the QR code on the screen or click the link coming up on the chat. And we're gonna pray with you and we're gonna celebrate with you there too because Deciding to follow Jesus is the best decision that you can ever make with your whole life. So if that was you, if you do want to follow Jesus today, let me just say congratulations. We're so, so excited for you. We can't wait to help you take your next step in discipleship. Alrighty, that is all we have this week. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming out. We're going to see you right here again next week, same time, same place. But until then, 
God bless every one of you. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. Do you want more New Day Church in your life? Well, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Want to take a next step in your faith? Our Church Center app is the best place to get more connected. So just download the free app on your app store today and be sure to choose New Day Church in Enfield, Connecticut. We are able to offer this sermon and all others like it only because of your faithful financial support. Thank you to all of you who so faithfully give each week. If you feel led to support our ministry financially, just go to our website at newdaychurch.cc forward slash give. Thank you in advance. May God richly bless you and we hope to see you again real soon.